0: Hi, I'm Nargis Hakim Rahman, and I'm bringing you a special series on Boney in collaboration with South Asian American Digital Archive about ten of Metro Detroit's Bangladeshi women entrepreneurs. Learn more at Sada S A A D A Stay tuned. <music> Today is November 15, 2020 in Detroit, Michigan. I'm here with a family of entrepreneurs. Hi, I'm Jahuara Holly and I'm
1: the owner of Festive
2: Essentials.
1: I am Humaira Bobby and I'm the owner of Bobby Skin.
0: I'm Jahara Hobby and I'm the owner of Jay Makeup Studio.
1: I'm Shakira and I'm
0: role Lister. All right. Thank you so much for being here. So the first question I have is, tell me about your upbringing.
2: We moved here in 1995. Um, Our dad did get here a little before us and kind of settled in and all of that. And then we came like a year or two after. So we were definitely that immigrant family who came here when we were really young and had to adjust to going to school here, learning the language properly. So I think we had a lot of the similar upbringing as most immigrants with a South Asian background
0: what do you remember about you know for the first time uh, you were in America I just remember it being super cold
1: yeah we have like these photos of when the snow used to be like above our heads and like we were all like bundled up and like it was just crazy because Shakira was just this little thing and then the snow was just like on top of us it was it was crazy <laughs> it was like three feet over her head oh, over all of our heads really yeah yeah We just couldn't get used to how cold it was here. I'm still not used to it now.
3: (laughs) I remember definitely struggling with language starting school, not being able to communicate on top of us being pretty shy, learning the language and like when teachers would call on us, Not only were we already scared and nervous as just individuals and shy characters, we also struggled with the language. So it was just like a struggle trying to communicate and even... Assimilate at the same time.
0: Yeah. Do you remember how many families that were Bangladeshi lived in Hamtramck at that time? It was a lot less right
3: now. It was quite a few, but not as many as it is probably today. I know a lot of the families that were kind of already there helped us out a lot as well. And just if anyone knew was coming, everyone was there kind of just to kind of guide them how to, you know, register their kids into schools, how to find jobs. The parents would like carpool to school and stuff. So there was the few people that were here, like in our street alone, we were definitely connected and, you know, would help each other out.
0: In comparison to, you know, being one of the, you know, few families that were here at that time, and many, you know, Bangladeshi families came in the 2000s. What would you say uh, Hamtramck is like today? Because my understanding is your family still lives in Hamtramck. Yes, we're probably one of
3: the few families who've been here for 20, 20 plus years that are still here. A lot of that is because my dad has a business here. So we just kind of just decided to stay. Um, it just became like a central location for us. Um, the schools we were going to were still close. We've thought about going to the suburbs, but it just it just seemed like a good place to be real close to Detroit and some of our universities that we were going to. So yeah, we, we definitely stayed, but I know a lot of the families that moved in around when we were, a lot of them, most of them have uh, moved out to the suburbs.
0: So tell me about what you studied in school or are
3: studying right now. I studied dental hygiene in school. Um, so completely different from what I went into, what I I'm doing right now in the beauty industry.
1: I studied, I went a pre med route, but now I'm going more towards a master's in chemistry to go into cosmetic formulation, just because that's what I'm more interested in right now, along with my brand and everything.
2: My background is in education, so I was an early childhood teacher for four years before I changed over to um, starting my own small business in uh, Indian jewelry.
4: And I went to school for computer science and user experience design.
0: I know that your father is an entrepreneur and you've watched him run his businesses while growing up. So tell me how that has influenced your decision to become an entrepreneur in the future.
2: Well, from a really, really young age, we've seen our dad um, run multiple businesses. Um, even in Bangladesh, before we moved to the States, uh, he was running his own businesses and doing working a full-time job. Um, and then when we moved here, Um, His degrees weren't the same equivalency in value, I guess, here. So he had to start off from a clean slate. He was working at Dunkin' Donuts night shift while he was going to school full time. And then, of course, also taking us to school and doing all the chores. Um, My mom didn't know how to drive at that time. So we've always seen him be really, really motivated to do well, uh, you know, kind of manage everything. And he
3: did that. He, you know, he was working at Dunkin' Donuts along with like some factory jobs here and there, even though like he had a college education and everything. So while he was going to the community college for computer science and then um, he discovered the great thing about internet and we had a first time home computer in our house. Um, It didn't take him long to kind of tinker around with it and find eBay of all things. And that's probably I think in the early 2000s, maybe a little bit earlier, even a lot of people made good fortunes on eBay. It was kind of a good, like a start to being self-employed or having your own business without having all the risk factors of having your own business. So he started selling things online where uh, he was selling actually Similac baby formula online. I don't know. It, Seems weird, but it was like a pretty lucrative business. Um, he would wholesale them to local grocery stores, parents online. So it was, it kind of just really hit it off. And at this time, he was at a full job, full time job, but then he was doing this on the side, which you know gained him a big income. So from then on, you know, as it was going great, he decided, like, yeah, I'm going to just literally quit my job and this is what I'm going to do. I'm
1: going to just work for myself. And even before (laughs) I think he was always telling us like it sucks working for someone. You never want to work for someone for the rest of your life. And he told us early on not to strive for that and that he doesn't want that for his own life either. So I think it was like really significant when he quit his full-time job and went to this for a few day and then of course starting his own businesses.
2: After um, the Dunkin' Donut job he really worked his way up and got a proper data filing job at an office and I think that's when he really solidified that this life of like working for someone else is just not for me so he went back to what he had in Bangladesh which is running his own business and he did always tell us never <laughs> never make it so that you have to work on someone else's terms Um, do your own thing. Tell me about the first business that
3: you've opened? Tora was always like the older sister and she was more into like
1: sports and (laughs) going outside and reading books while we just wanted to play like make-believe and imaginary yeah, we would just
3: um we would just play like pretend stuff and just every day we would like come up with characters and scenarios or so the first thing the first business that we really thought about was something called luxury living and it was just something funny that we thought about it was like a spa service or like a hotel service was, like
1: super bougie but like not yeah. actually bougie bougie and yeah. hamdramck yeah.
3: <laughs> We were just <laughs> pretending and I would pretend like I had clients and it was Humaira or at that time, little baby Shakira who wanted to just join us. And we would pretend like, oh, this is I a service don't
2: that you're paying for.
3: It just kind of became like, it was just something that we did for fun. Just make believe. I think we were like probably seven, eight years old. Yeah.
1: And we used to like charge each other like 10 cents for like, a foot massage or like Jahar used to do manicures on us. And then
3: when we were like
1: 10, 11 years
3: old, I was always artistic. And in the summer times, we, we come from a very conservative family. In the summertime, our parents believed we needed to go not spend our time just playing around. So we went to, they enrolled us to our local mosque summer programs where, you know, we had classes. And during that time, you know, I was always tinkering around and making things. And, at the, and then I remember the very first thing that I sold as my business, I guess, would be these little wallets made out of paper and they had little fake credit cards and, you could fake IDs. and fake IDs that it could be whatever you wanted. I don't know why I was asking these girls, like, I'll draw a picture of you. What color hair do you want? And how
1: old do you want to be?
3: <laughs> be? And I would literally make these cards that were like personalized cards and you could put them inside the little slots and the little uh kind of uh, wallets and people
1: actually uh, bought them
3: I made made $15 that summer selling these paper wallets Um, the funniest thing is I think it was just a couple weeks ago Tahora or Humara showed me a little comment someone wrote on Facebook from my probably very first wallet sell she (laughs) went to school with us that time she's like I still remember when you guys used to sell like these wallets to us and I I used like make these things and and I'm like oh my god why do people remember this like, <laughs> I'm not kidding I think her name was Shuma right oh yeah they <laughs> definitely was always a hustler and trying to get some like making something or doing something to sell a service or a product or you know just having that um entrepreneurial mindset
0: I guess I remember the Harry Potter hats that you used to make and so <laughs> I don't know where you sold them but I remember hearing about those and wands. I used to go to my
3: backyard and Our parents used to have a garden, Udi Garden. (laughs) probably know and i used to break off the little branches from the little like little twigs and stuff and then i would literally believe it or not sand it down and my dad had some kind of paint varnish or stain uh at that time i i doubt any kid knew a stain or anything of that stuff was well, i would literally go downstairs and try to find these little paint stuff and i would literally paint it and then even gloss it up and i would literally have these wands i was a huge harry potter fan so i would literally have these wands that i would make and try to sell it, it was just yeah I. Totally you did. would even make your own packaging
0: for them yep. and yeah and sell them <laughs> no nope. tell me about starting your business because um, i believe that you're the first one in your among your sisters that started an official business what was that process like
3: yeah so um i was in school was about nine and a half years ago ish and so growing up as i was telling you i was really artistic and i always wanted to kind of go into the arts but in a Bangladeshi family I like probably in any brown family it's just not something that your family wants you to go into or things that you can make it mostly they are trying to like you know kind of look out for you that starving artist mentality they don't want their kids to have something that's kind of up in the air more structural and that's why they kind of that's that whole stereotype about parents wanting us to be doctors and engineers is because they want to make sure that we have a life of security that they didn't have a life of like a higher education that would you know we would be able to be comfortable and make our own money and futures with so i get it it's not something that you know it's ideal for them to kind of be like yes i'll push you towards that so wanting to do that and then kind of parents just kind of being like yeah you can do that for fun honey but not as like a career that kind of always made me sad it's like you know everyone asks what do you want to do when you grow up and you know it's always meant to be something oh what do you like doing so then you can do this and have fun with it but it was never oh i it, those two didn't go hand in hand where I would be living a comfortable life and you know also doing some kind of art. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do some kind of art, some kind of artistry, but it was just an, an ideal. So my dad actually had one of his friends It was really funny. It was back, again, when we first got our first computer and everyone was, we used to play, there was no internet really back then. So then we used to play on Microsoft Paint. So I'd go on there, write, draw some little, you know, fun art stuff and my sister would love it. And, you know, we'd all work on it and then I would print them out and see them. And then one day, you know, my dad's friend who frequently visited, I still remember his name is Shabuddin. So he would (laughs) visit one day and, you know, my dad would have long talks with him and then we'd go to sleep. And then the next day I opened up Paint again just being like okay now I get to paint on my you know Computer or whatever. And then I saw on the desktop that some paint was saved. And I'm like, I didn't save this. I opened it up and it was just this beautiful painting on Microsoft Paint done. I was like, who did this? And later on, my dad told me, he's like, Oh, it was my friend. I was like, You're telling me that one guy who comes over and you talk to like for hours on end, he did this, he knows how to do this. And then he's like, Yeah, he's actually pretty good and he used to do it a lot and he just does it. And I'm like, But what does he do now? It's like, oh, he works in a factory, and that just kind of made me so sad. I was like, look at this guy who is amazing at what he likes to do and it's so good but he's not doing that for a living. Is that what just adults do? You just do something that just you make sure that you make money from but not really something that you're good at and you enjoy. Here I was I knew I was good at something but I was told don't do that if you want to live a good life. So growing up you know I understood my parents wanted to have like more structure or whatever. I was good at school too fairly and I didn't mind school, so I started college, um, kind of a little bit unsure of what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to give up on this art thing. So then when makeup kind of started to be a thing, when we were growing up, we were just playing around. I'd play around with my sister. The first couple of looks I've ever done probably was on my sister, Humara, who, you know, late at night, we were night owls. You know, in that time, we just had so much more free time. I would just do looks on them. I would just do looks on Humara, who, again, just like when we used to play as kids, it just kind of, when we were teenagers, it evolved into, oh, let me just practice on my sister. Um, we had really similar features. So then whenever I practiced on myself, I would just do it on her. And that's kind of how it kind of grew into, oh, this is good, like I'm artistic. And now I just took a different medium and a different approach to my art that I used to paint and draw and, you know, do it digitally. I just did it on someone's face. We using powders and creams. I had a very little collection back then. Obviously it was just things that we would give from you know the dollar store or something just to play around with so I started doing that and then I was like oh this is nice and then social media came around where I would just post it on Facebook and people really liked what they saw and I'm like this is kind of fun I, so I went to school um settled on dental hygiene because I was like okay I was I wanted to go into dentistry that's another thing a weird fact like I do like teeth like I just somehow I just kind of like teeth I was always fascinated with teeth so I was like you know this is something you know I did some research and I good friend of mine I looked into dentistry and it was a lot eight years of professional schooling and all that it was a lot and then I felt like even afterwards it might not have been like the ideal life that I wanted to live like working full-time after getting and being in so much debt, when a good friend of mine in California told me, hey, did you look into something called dental hygiene? It's kind of like dentistry, but it's not, it's a little bit more education required than dental assisting, but it's a little bit less than dental school. So I looked into it and I felt like, hey, this is something that people do if they want to work part-time they can in different offices. And it just felt like this is going to be something that I can do part-time, but also maybe do my art if I wanted to, um, still make decent money. So I went into it and then I still had My makeup that i was doing and at that time the pictures that i was kind of posting on facebook people our age and high school were just like oh i really like that can you do my makeup for prom and then it kind of became a thing like oh sure i'll do my friend's makeup for prom I did their makeup and then they went to prom and then someone saw them and it's like, hey, I'm going to my school prom next week. Can whoever the girl that did your makeup do mine? And then it became a thing where it's like, I don't even know who that is. I guess I got to start charging. And I was already kind of in that thing about like, oh, if someone wants something from me and it's a service that I can provide someone, let's charge for it. So then it became a thing where like girls going to prom were coming to me. Again, high schoolers, it was a small thing. And then it it wasn't brides until a little bit later but it started with the with the prom thing and i knew at that time okay this is a little bit of money so while i was in my dental hygiene program and everything i didn't have a job really until like much later so like an official job so that's what i did i did makeup and it was sufficient for me to not have like an actual job while i was trying to focus on my 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 dental hygiene program
0: so it sounds like you pretty much organically grew after just playing around with the makeup and then it became a thing and caught on Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. So Tahura, um, tell me about how your start- business started uh, with Festive Essentials.
2: Mine started with um, my wedding, I guess. Like uh, It was like a huge struggle for us because, um, one, we don't really have family in the States. So usually when you have family and you're getting married, you have a lot of help. And I was the eldest in the family to get married. So we really didn't know what to do. So we went to our local shops and everything. And... We didn't like any of the wedding things that we were seeing. It was either outdated or not like the quality. It just wasn't, you know, modern. So we had to go all the way to Chicago to shop. We had to go all the way to Toronto. And it was it was kind of ridiculous to drive that much, you know, for outfit and jewelry and such. Back then, it wasn't so accessible online. Like People were not buying online like they are right now. I just had a really hard time. And I had to ask my then fiance, like, hey, can you send this to India or that or that? And then that worked like you were had more options. But then again, you are reliant on someone else to pick things that you may like, which I didn't end up liking. (laughs) So um, what happened is the opportunity kind of came up that I'm going to be living in India. I had this problem, which I knew a lot of people were also having. Um, I knew everyone else was also traveling for um, these things. So I kind of put that together with being in India, combining my hobby of traveling and just started to pancake items that I liked that fit the quality the price range and all of that and that's kind of how it all how to accessorize goes. is actually a skill that like I, I like dressing and
3: I, I feel like I'm okay with the dressing part but I have no idea how to accessorize And that particular niche thing about which outfit or what jewelry would go with an outfit or which out- jewelry would combine well with another jewelry even when it came like with American jewelry she was always good at like picking a certain piece out or if we were going to shopping, you know, we should pick the one piece that looked good from a million that weren't. So just having an eye for that too.
2: And I always like meticulous work, things that are like redundant and what things that other people find annoying. So like I would love stringing together beads for bracelets and necklaces and things like that. So I remember making them for friends and my sisters, of course. That still kind of continues. Like jewelry is really pretty. It's visually very appealing, but the background work is like tedious work. Like it's repetitive. It's, you know... Um, detailed work. Like even when I'm making a jewelry, I have to count every single bead, make sure they're even, the sizing, you know, all of that. So I guess that ties into when I was really younger and kind of picked up these habits and things also. And of course, the other aspect being, you know, able to travel. I really enjoyed teaching and being around kids and everything. But what I didn't like is like, there were a lot of restrictions in terms of like your lifestyle. You know, I remember coming home and being just absolutely exhausted. Like I, because I had to wake up super early. I was up at 5am working all the way up to like 5, 6pm. So I was like, very long days and that left you absolutely drained even during the weekend then you have to bring work back home and then again dealing with school administration and all of that so it was taking a huge toll on me physically and mentally outside of just being in a classroom with kids I kind of just wanted my own lifestyle my own time you know and being able to kind of just build in being able to travel is like a huge thing for me and I like that I can go to the store and open up based on Appointment and help people like individually, so that all kind of yeah (laughs) plays a big part in why I kind of built this and went with it.
0: Homaira, how about you? I know that you've started your business more recently, and you've kind of taken an artistic appeal as well, like your sisters. But you're doing something a little different in the community. So tell me about your business.
1: Yeah, so I have a clean skincare line, and I think my love for skincare started a lot earlier than I even thought about. I remember being really young and my sisters are like three, four years older than me. I remember they started using face washes and things a lot sooner than I did. But I was always like so intrigued. You know, I was like eight years old with like really great skin, you know, before everything hits you. But you're like, oh, I really want to use this acne wash. And I remember one day, it was a Noxema acne wash that my sisters were using. I remember using it and I like grubbed the crap out of my face. The next morning I had huge scabs on both of my cheeks. And I was like eight years old. I was like, what am I doing? Using salicylic acid on my face. I had no business doing that. But I just remember that stuff was always just so fun for me. It's, you know, like trying out different skincare products, things like that. And then, but my real skincare issue started when um, I started college, I was the first one to move away from home and live on my own which was really stressful for me the whole college life in general like everything was super stressful and that all that took a toll on my skin and um i had a lot of cystic acne on my forehead on my cheeks i remember coming home and my family was like what happened to your face and it was was really like also self-conscious like going out and i'd always try to cover with makeup and everything and then i tried out a bunch of things at the drugstore which, you know, they're they're pretty harsh ingredients and they didn't really help my skin. It actually left me with a lot of scarring. When you're like 18 years old, you don't have Sephora money, you know, to spend on Dr. Dennis Gross or, you know, all these brands that you see now, they're like $80 plus for these things. And then, so I was just like, okay, maybe I can like go a more natural route. And I did some research and then I also worked at a research lab at U of M. So I had a lot of research and journal background. So I used the database and I did, okay, what are some natural alternatives to like these acids and things that I can, that are more like, like I can go find in stores. So I, that's when I first formulated my apple cider vinegar toner. And I've been using it, I think, since my sophomore year of college. And I remember coming home on weekends and me and Jahara shared a room. And she would be like, do not bring that thing near me or do not like put your cotton pads in this trash can in our room because I can smell it all night. And I'm like, but I need it for my skin. And it was really like working for me. So I was like, I'm going to keep at it. But she did not want it anywhere near. And my sisters wouldn't try it. But they also had a lot better skin than I did. that's where my first product came from. But just having the whole self-care routine, I think always was kind of a part of me. I remember coming home on weekends and I'd always tell my sisters, hey, let's do face masks, you know? So I'd make everyone like a face mask and we'd like put it on. And then it's like, oh, let's do pedicures and let's just like have a spa night. So that whole self-care aspect, I think was always like a part of me. And that's kind of what i want to like put out with my brand as well along with the whole science behind skincare because there's a lot of misinformation out there there's a lot of things that you know a lot of diy things also aren't very they're harmful for your skin as well and a lot of just practices that we have especially like growing up in a desi family i feel like my mom didn't hone in on us like skincare do these things she wasn't a very girly girl so a lot of these things we had to like kind of learn ourselves. And I feel like that's the same case with a lot of me and my friends. So I just, you know, I think the whole scientific part of it is also very important. And that's also something I try to incorporate in my brand as well, how it started. And I just started a year and a half ago. It's been a great journey so far. My brand is mostly about, you know, science, skincare, building confidence within yourself and just having the confidence to show your skin the way it is.
0: So Shakira, I see you, you know, working with Homaira, Johora and Tahora. What is your role in your own words? I think I was actually really privileged to be able to see it
4: all come together for all three of them and learn a lot from them. I'm still absorbing a lot from what they do and from helping them from time to time. I'm very proud of them and I love what they do, but I don't actually see myself doing anything that they do going into skincare, jewelry, or makeup. I'm more into fashion and trends them and environmentally friendly upcycling and um, all that kind of stuff. It's nice to learn from my sisters and having that support system around me and being able to experiment with so many different things and kind of being a jack of all trades supporting them well I don't know did I support them I definitely I think it's almost because it's being the youngest sister and in the Asian, in the Asian family you you just kind of have to you don't, they don't ask you hey can you do this or do you want to do this it's do this because you're my little sister so
1: yeah that was <laughs> one day um, I was having a photo shoot and two of my models uh- cancelled on me and I was like okay Shakira I know you're free I need a model ASAP because I can't get there in time there, so you go meet at the. We were doing it at a hotel room, and Detroit is like, "Okay, you gotta get there, and because the photographer is already there, like start shooting with them while I get there." So it's just little things like that. I feel like does help out our business. Mm-hmm.
3: Same with being a makeup artist. It's a very niche thing I look for, and it's not that I need you to be good at makeup per se. It you actually have to have certain artistic talent, and I feel like Shakira did not do makeup at all. She doesn't really wear makeup. I noticed that. Okay, she's good at painting, and she's good at art and that's kind of how I grew up too and I was like hey pick up a makeup brush instead of a paintbrush and let me see what you can do and sure enough hate to admit it but she's actually really good
2: at it. Honestly I don't think that I would be where I am without Shakira's help like she was my first assistant whether it came to shipping out items checking and locating stock and inventory. Broadcasting the trends. (laughs) (laughs) Or doing shoots for me like all the beginning things she kind of helped me out with um, I traveled. I was in India quite a bit. Um, there are times where she was handling most of the back end over here. She was a big part of the beginning process of my business for sure.
0: What were some of the challenges you had when you started your business? For me, a lot of logistics
2: because, you know, two different countries, operations and trying to make them work with me being over there. Well,
4: you just didn't have a lot of people. Yeah. You, you, it was started off something really small. So yeah. It was literally just you and me Nick that it was, was it
3: yeah it was and really- you guys were in India and you guys mm-hmm. you
2: guys just got married and got like moved in yeah so it was so, really difficult at first
3: I guess my difficulties were definitely it's a saturated market Brattle makeup I guess salon makeup services it's kind of a saturated market so for people to kind of to kind of stand out um, amongst everybody else who was kind of just you know doing makeup on the side. That was kind of difficult. And then for people to take me seriously. So I did start pretty young. I am like 4'11, so it was hard for people to, you know, kind of be like, oh, you know, she's going to do my wedding makeup. And you know, I looked very young. So that was kind of probably one of the more difficult things to kind of just get your name out there.
1: Alongside that, it's something that was difficult was like exposure and having people trust you, especially with a skincare line um, without having like that MD or dermatology background and formulating a skincare line. To have people actually want to try your products, you know, because people are so particular with their skin and to have people actually try and trust your products, that was kind of difficult for me. But when you really look into it, Most of skincare companies and lines aren't formulated by physicians at all. So yeah, that was kind of difficult for me. But once people actually started using it, they liked the product and that's how I gained trust with my clientele.
2: For me, it was a lot of logistics, managing inventory and um, shipping and working with people here. Online did help a lot, but I needed a lot of help on this end. So that's where Shakira came in. And then eventually when we were kind of a little more steady, I was able to um, hire someone to take care of everything on this end Um, but I went through a lot of trial and error especially when you work with manufacturers and um, suppliers who are kind of all over India you have to really like start working with different people because the culture is different the uh, language is different so I really struggled with trying to cross like what it is that I'm looking for but yeah it was really difficult establishing who you can really trust and work with and who can be reliable um where you can source from because a lot of these things are repeat even if i am sourcing from one place um i may need to go back now are they able to really um give me those items that i want especially the culture over there they'll promise you yeah yeah for sure for sure we can do this we can do this and then you come to a point where you you need this again and they're like yeah no we can't you know so it was a lot of like learning about precaution and everything so To really not learn to depend on myself only.
0: Can you talk about when you guys started your business? What was the landscape like in the Detroit area in terms of female businesswomen?
3: At that time, I think I don't know. I I don't know if I know any female. business owner especially in like detroit Bangladeshi um woman at that time granted we were younger so i was you know my circle wasn't anybody who was older than like early 20s yeah having that mentor i definitely don't think i had that This was also before social media. So again, word of mouth was very, very important. So it wasn't like someone can share photos and, you know, just kind of be like, oh, tag this person, which vendors did you use? It was really just up to that person, do a good job. And, you know, your work is the only thing that will stand out for you and do your talking as far as like, you know, learning how the business worked and how to even do like the proper, you know, managing and, you know, finances and stuff. Yeah, I really didn't have someone who I, you know, was like, oh, oh, let me see how they're doing this. Let me ask questions to this person or that. That was very just like kind of figuring it out on your own very slowly. So I think that my process was a lot longer because of also those little things.
0: What would you all say about how it is now? What is it like in 2020 to be a Bangladeshi woman entrepreneur? I think the support is really great now. Yeah, I think
1: we're part of Um, any you know like you see I feel like every day there's like a new Bangladeshi woman small business opening up which is pretty amazing to see
3: it's like pretty much almost anything that you would want or can get either on Etsy or whatever creative outlet for anything there's going to be somebody in your community who is already offering that service or that product do you feel like there's a lot of competition
1: I feel like yes and no especially with the more of like my sister's businesses because I feel like there are a lot more people doing jewelry or makeup, but I feel like what differentiates them is like passion. I feel like you can tell when someone is passionate about something. I think it reflects on your business and other people can see it too. And that's what like kind of drives you to continue to do it. That's what I think is the difference, even if you have a lot of people doing the same thing.
3: I think there's going to be always that. I'm now more than ever. There's always going to be that competition. But again, you know, just trying to stand out in what you do the best it's going to be like probably the defining factor of why someone picks you versus another. People always should have options. You know, there's not going to be just one company doing one thing, which, you know, it's great to have those options. But definitely your work will show for it. Your your work will speak for itself if, you, if you're, you know, doing it the best you can. And like she said, showing the passion.
0: Um, looking back now, you know, after now you have all kind of started... Your businesses and are in in it for a little bit. What quality, if you could name something, do you feel like kind of helped you get to where you are now?
3: Not giving up, probably just being really
0: steadfast.
3: There, like you said, there is competition. There's a lot of times it is so much hard work. Being able to be okay, you are going to work way more than you would in a nine to five. You're going to work long hours. You're going to have failures. You're going to have you know people say things about you or your work that you isn't reflecting of you or you just got to, you know, kind of ignore all those things and, you know, acknowledge that they're there, but continue to do it, continue to move past that. A lot of our things that we do is we get better with practice. And unless we've kind of stuck to it versus all the things that were odds against us, if you don't stick to it, then that's like automatic failure. But we just were like, okay, this is what we want to do. And there's going to be hardships. And I acknowledge that there's going to be a lot of working hours ahead, a lot of practicing, a lot of failures. You just got to keep doing it just keep on like working hard every day
2: yeah just consistency because in business things are so unpredictable so you just have to be consistent and just keep doing your best and then another thing is no matter how many other businesses there are that are doing the same thing that you are you can always still be innovative in what you're doing and work on the best customer service you can provide and that all ties into your business
1: and how well it does I think collaboration is really important For businesses, Um, I think, especially in my business, because it's so young, I think it's gotten as far as it has because of collaborating with other business owners or other, uh, just other women who are doing like photography or things like that, just collaborating with everyone just gets your business out there faster. And you know, you share clientele and things like that. And you learn so much from other businesses doing that, too. So I think that
0: has been very important our businesses as well. I'm going to jump back to Shakira a little bit. So, um Shakira, tell me about what was it like growing up with your sisters? Well, I definitely it definitely rubbed off on me from a young age. They were a lot older than me, so
4: I don't think I grew up with them, but I followed in their footsteps in a lot of ways. I always wanted to do everything that they were doing, but I always wanted to do it a little differently too. Mostly growing up was actually very different from how you guys grew up. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. I'd say they were my third parents. Um, I they, they they disciplined me definitely more than my parents, and I just like had different things going on than how they uh, than they grew up.
2: But you d- You definitely had a different upbringing. I definitely had a different upbringing. <laughs> They definitely less strict. It was definitely more. Because you're American, when you were born here. You went to completely uh, yeah, different schools. Yeah, I went to different and schools,
4: that. and that was a product of you finding those resources for me. And yeah. so I was always busy. I was never really home Every as much as you guys. Yeah, I was always doing something different I was always part of more activities it wasn't just school and study it was it was really finding my outlet through different things and so Humara was the first one to move away from home but I think I was the youngest because I went to school for to high school somewhere else I didn't stay home and I think that was kind of a defining moment in my childhood because I was no longer influenced as much by my parents and my sisters and I f- had to find an identity on my own which was kind of tough and I think I found that away from home. And I think that was a lot of my childhood too. That kind of paved, yeah, I feel like that paved the way for my creativity because I had to think on my own once I was away. And I get how Humara felt when she
0: moved away for college. Um, so you went to school at Cranbrook, which is a yeah. boarding school. What were some of the other challenges you had while you were going there?
4: Up until going to Cranbrook, it was very much go to the school, study, be an engineer or a doctor, do something in STEM, or bio and, um, you know, start your life from there. And I was very much on that track until I went there and I learned there are so many other ways to live your life. Everyone was part of something different, next extracurricular that was usually art. And I found myself in that kind of realm and I kind of realized how our dad would always tell us, don't work for under somebody. Or for somebody i always thought that was kind of silly when i was growing up because i was like what's wrong with just going to school getting that nine-to-five job it's easy you don't have to take your work home it pays well it's good then i went to high school away and i realized those parents and they didn't do the nine-to-five job they had passions and they had their own. they worked for things. themselves and they were living the life and so that's when I finally understood what my dad was talking about. And I kind of understood kind of what I wanted to do. The conventional route isn't always, it's not the route for everybody. And it's not the only route. So there's a lot of, it was a social, it was kind of a culture shock going there. From Hamtramck to Cranbrook. You go into, well, Hamtramck is a melting pot. But then you go into Cranbrook where it's a huge melting pot. Kids from inter, internationally like Asia and Europe are there and you just learn so much more. And I think it was just a complete different a learning cur- curve socially for me.
0: So tell me about um, studying computer science at U of M. It's definitely a lot smaller
4: and get more of a homey feel. And I guess computer science was a good outlet for me because I do like technology and I can still pursue the arts and design through there. It's really a great doorway. Um, I think I chose that just so I could still pursue the arts and still do what I like and always have like a backup plan because tech is always very comfortable.
0: So uh, (laughs) one thing that you expressed is that you know you're learning from your sisters but you're also kind of like behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and that's something that you like to be. What are some things that you've done that you feel proud of? but you feel like are more behind the scenes and people might not know about you.
4: I worked with Jahara for a little bit. I started doing makeup just out of curiosity because um, it's just like painting. It was fun. And um, well, I lack social skills. And she kind of figured that she was like, hey, you're good at makeup and you're good at painting. Why don't you just do this on the weekends and you'll get to meet new people and you'll and I just wanted to really build my social skills which kind of didn't help. It's uh it's fun and it was fun. It was great and I I think I learned a lot and I met really cool people and I learned her techniques and I kind of learned how hard it was to maintain just a business and how reputable she is and the work that goes into each person's service. It's it's really cool and then with my sister Tora, she um I don't know. I you say I did a lot but I think you did most of it. I was just here handling... You were handling
2: back-end stuff, like shipping. Yeah,
4: that, but I kind of learned how much passion had to go into it. She was staying up 4 a.m. in India time, just trying to talk to me while I was waking up. That taught me... You really do just have to have passion or nothing's going to work. It's kind of cool. And
1: Humara, um, <laughs> I think... Write some of my captions for me.
4: Yes, I write some of her <laughs> captions, although she does not give me credits. Fine. I am the funny one in that aspect. I definitely tell her, I, sh- I show her not to be old online because she's she she, she wasn't that great at it. Where are like you? I do, rem- I do remember before Bobby started, you were going to delete your Instagram. I was like, hey, don't do that. That's a, not a good idea. And then you started Bobi and, well, Instagram <laughs> is your spot and you're really killing it there. So, And I wonder why I really do. I wonder who helps you and who sends you <laughs> memes and funny things that you can incorporate. I don't know. That's I don't know. Beats, beats That's me. Tough. Couldn't be me. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I definitely just enjoy seeing them prosper. <laughs> it was Sometimes it's just moral support. Sometimes you're just saying, "Hey, you're 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 doing good. It looks cool. Yeah, that's really pretty." Sometimes it's just that.
0: I remember that uh, last year, I believe it was, you were hosting a TED talk at U of M. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs>
4: that's right. Um, I did. I did organize that. That was my second TED event. Uh, the first time was as a TED speaker, and um, I still haven't recovered from that. <laughs> I'm very, I'm a very nervous speaker, so uh, that was way out of my comfort zone. I think that was one of the reasons why I did it. But it was so I can learn more about the event. So when it came to organizing, I really liked it because I was behind the scenes. Yeah, it was it was everything I could have dreamed of because I got to use all the knowledge that I learned creatively and just organizing in general and um, had fun.
0: So Homare, you mentioned collaboration is something that is working really great for your business. In what ways do you think that we're doing it right? In what ways do you think we can do it better? Yeah.
1: So um, I think in ways that it's so beneficial is meeting new entrepreneurs, even women or not women, you know, and in your area or not. I feel like when I started collaborating with different people, different brands, it exponentially grew my business. It you get so much more exposure because you get their community, they get your community, everything like that. It's just, I think it's a great tool to use in ways that it's not super beneficial. And this might just be something on like social media with a lot of women in our community, I guess. It's, I feel like every week there's another giveaway. And I feel like that kind of takes... I don't know. You know, it's like you if you do a giveaway every week, it's like it's where's the special or fun of giveaways like giveaways are supposed to be, hey, the company is like thanking their followers or like, hey, here's a way that you can try my products or, you know, you, you can win free things with just a little bit of exposure. But I feel like I feel like sometimes you do see that just people are just overusing the giveaways that's just like one of the things that i've seen recently i think we should we need to get a little bit more creative with the ways that we're collaborating with brands as well i know because of covid it's a lot harder because everything kind of has to be online and giveaways are easier to do in that way but um, i think we should be getting a little bit more creative and working with other people
0: what are some resources you feel like you need as business entrepreneurs i would say A lot of us
3: that are going into like service or products, a lot of our backgrounds aren't in business, finance and taxes and stuff. Those are something that, you know, we have to kind of personally, I struggled, you know, kind of learning about that stuff and kind of making sure that things are regulated, you know, where books are being kept, probably it's just
1: like very, very um very you know, logistics stuff, I feel. That's something that yeah, And when I started I have no business knowledge at all. I don't think any of us really have any business knowledge. Yeah, like we don't have
3: not many of us have a business background, but mm-hmm. you need to be able to do all these things properly to run a business and actually grow it and make sure that you're safe. You do everything and
1: legally and like you know, mm-hmm. following all the rules and stuff. Me and Tahora's husbands do all that part. Like I don't do anything with taxes or uh, making my LLC or anything. I didn't even know I had to do all that stuff till he like bought it up a month after. I was like, what is all this boring paperwork? Like this isn't part of a business. Like this isn't fun. So I'll do it
3: myself. So that's been a, a very challenging thing. Having to do every, the creative part, the product, the service and the back end of the taxes and filing and business regulations and yeah. everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I do feel like I get to spend so much more time curating my Instagram posts or in curating my website because I have someone else doing all the boring back end stuff. Props to Jahara for doing all that. Um, but I think me and Tahora, we don't we don't know anything about that side, really.
2: Nick does help me out quite a bit with back-end things, keeping track of uh, our finances. Um, I do end up still doing like managing my own accountant and all that stuff, but yeah, I definitely do get help, which is very nice. But I think for me, it becomes really difficult because I have so many different products and they're not always consistent. So that's like a huge challenge that I think I'm only always going to have. Because it's not like repeat products, it's not a standard certain amount of products. It's like a huge amount of inventory that has to be managed constantly and checked on and I'm still figuring it all out. To be honest, yeah, I think
1: like all the bookkeeping and back end stuff, that would be very helpful for new entrepreneurs. Um,
0: that brings up an interesting point, because I think when people think of businesses, they're usually thinking, thinking of brick and mortars, right? So they're thinking of those mom and pop shops where I can just kind of drive up to the shop and get what I need. How did you overcome that um, challenge of providing a service that people can't necessarily just drive up and, and, and get right away?
3: I think oh. for Tora and they there's still stuff, there's like product based, so you can um, ship things out and it can be online or it can be like postal service kind of thing. For mine, logistically, this is where it comes down to like a lot of the planning out, scheduling down to the time, down to where we are driving. Me and my team are driving that weekend the drive times, the set times for me doing the bride or one of my artists are going to be there on location, how many people. We make really strict schedules and then contracts have to reflect that. That was a little bit difficult, of course. Technology, I found, helped a lot with that. Synchronizing websites to schedules, to contracts and apps that you can use that will mesh a lot of the information from clients directly. So then it makes our scheduling a little bit easier. But I guess nothing like really prepares you for it because at first you're thinking, oh, you're going to get one client a weekend. Oh, you can do that. I can just drive out to um, Warren, which isn't too far from us. No problem. And then kind of gets a little bit more busier. And you have two brides that day. How are you going to do it? So you kind of, you know, manage your time and logistics just by two. But then when you get to the level that I am in right now, where we have six or seven brides in one day, logistically working out those plans has become pretty complex. And i think it's just like a learning process and thankfully our business is growing in the same pace i i I hope that we can kind of keep up with for now and i do have someone helping me with that as well because again a lot of the administrative work takes up a lot of the time and i found that having help and that helps me being okay an artist still still being able to do the bigger picture of the company than more so like the more administrative work
2: i think at least for me I depend heavily on um, different platforms and communicating online. Um, So we do consults on WhatsApp. We use FaceTime if we need to. Obviously, there's Instagram also. We have like multiple apps that we communicate with clients. Um, We spend sometimes, you know, like days or going back and forth with showing options and all of that. So we really do depend on that when it is not in person. And then we do lots of videos and pictures. Uh, We try to do a really good job with those because with jewelry, you do need to be able to get the idea of how it's going to look on you, if the size is going to be right, um, if it's going to match your outfit. Quality of pictures and videos is a huge thing for us also. So we try to kind of use technology as best we
1: can to help us in that. And uh, just bouncing off of that, of course, social media is so huge. And I really enjoy, like, interacting with everyone on, like, my Bobi Skin page. It's like every Sunday I do a self-care Sunday and everyone... It's just like when I like take off my makeup and then like do my skincare. And I feel like that's so interactive with everyone, all my followers, because they get to ask questions and I respond to them. And I feel like it's also like a teaching moment as well. And that really drives business and the whole, you know, learning about skincare and self care. So that's a big part of my business as well.
0: I know that all of you really keep community in mind when you're doing your business and conducting your business. Can you talk to me about why that's important to you?
1: I, I always, you know, we always grew up, you know, learning you should always be giving back to your community and, you know, just with our price points and everything, it's. I always go back to thinking when I was younger or when I, you know, when I was growing up in Hemtramck and stuff, like we didn't have these small businesses, these women-run businesses and these things that were like at our fingertips and I just want to make it available to everyone and I think that's why we do, we are priced the way we are. We are just reaching out to people through social media. We are working within Hemtramic and with Hemtramic entrepreneurs just to make our city in our town grow and it's also a point that you know if we are working with other people and they are
2: growing it helps us grow too so the whole collaboration thing it benefits everyone when I do my pop-ups or uh, you know twice a year I try to really get new especially new businesses to join because it gives them a lot of exposure it kind of creates good Relationship and bonds between different businesses, and when they grow, and they uh, their clients are exposed to us also. So it's mutually beneficial. If ever other people are growing, you're going to grow also. I think it's just no matter how far you go, you always do
4: come back home. And mm-hmm. we're all in different stages in our life. We've gone far. Tora lives in India. Mara doesn't live at home anymore. And you know we've all done our own things, but we do always come back here and we think okay well
1: what, what we
4: do could here? we do for the community here now
1: here yeah it's things that we up? wish we had when we were younger and now it's possible to give that back to our community mm-hmm. so why not do it and be a part of that
4: we have those services we have those products that we wanted when we were younger and now the girls in our community are searching for the same things and why not get it from
1: yeah or empower someone else to start something like this as well so that it's possible
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that's the power of social
4: media too it connects us back to the community back to whoever is here and that's been a really strong platform for the businesses Mm
2: -hmm.
4: and it does bring light to this community because we're from here and that's great that you guys have gone gone pretty big and it does highlight that you guys are from here and
2: We are working with other people and they are growing. It helps us grow too. So the whole collaboration thing, it benefits everyone. When I do my pop-ups or, uh, you know, twice a year, I try to really get new, especially new businesses to join because it gives them a lot of exposure. It kind of creates a good relationship and bonds between different businesses and when they grow and uh, their clients are exposed to us also. So it's mutually beneficial if other people are growing, you're going to grow also.
0: How has identity played a role in your entrepreneurial um, aspirations?
2: I personally, I just feel
3: like I was always someone who wanted the freedom. I don't like too much structure. I don't like kind of like that feeling of, okay, you get to work from this time to this time. This is how many days you get off. This is when you're supposed to work and when you're not. I like the freedom probably of being an entrepreneur where you can kind of pack up and go somewhere and do something whenever you want to as well. And also knowing that you have these responsibilities, but it falling on you where it's like you're going to take care of it. It's just that if you need a mental break, if you need to like kind of do something, you can do that. No one's going to tell you you
1: only have one week of vacation day a year. So I feel like even the last couple of years like when you hear of like they see women entrepreneurs it's always Indian. Like the majority is always Indian and I feel like when it comes to South Asians, Bangladeshis are always like no one really pays attention to us, you know. So I feel like having the Bangladeshi part in my brand is huge big, huge part of who we are. Like my whole brand name is my last name which is my Dachnam, which is like what Family calls me, and which is, you know, a big part of the brand. Some of my products are named Rosafsa, which is, you know, a South Asian drink, or Shanti, which means like calming. And my future products will also have Bangla word incorporations. And I just like making the distinction between Bangladeshi and Indian because we are two different cultures, and I don't want to just be lumped into South Asian and then Bangladesh just get like, oh, who are they? You know, I haven't heard of Bangladesh, you know. So, yeah, being a Bangladeshi woman definitely plays a big role in my brand and who I I and mean, even things that I post online and things that I post on my brand yeah this upcoming like February during Bangladesh uh, Independence Day we're gonna have like I'm planning on like a new product and like to just revolve it around Bangladesh and just so my followers you know just give my followers a little bit more information on Bangladesh and where I'm from and just you know I think it's important for your you know your customers to know where you come from and who you are and that is a big part of who I am. Agree.
2: Uh, even though my business is, you know, general to like South Asians, like Pakistanis, Indian, Sri Lankans, Bangladeshis, I still make a point to share that I am a Bangladeshi American who is sourcing and living in India. Like I make it a point to kind of bring that out because it is a huge difference, you know, to be doing that physically over there. So, I guess that's something that makes me different, also, you know, a Bangladeshi in India doing that. So, uh, I guess that has become part of my branding, also. Kind of going off on
3: that as well. Yeah, my business is probably a little bit more now, more like South Asian. So, I have a lots of different cultures hire me for like their bridal makeup. And being in the industry for so long, I started to notice that. You know, difference of their culture, even down to what they wear or their jewelry or the style of makeup they want. So here I am showcasing that. I like to be very distinct and say, this is a South Indian bridal look. This is a Bangladeshi bridal look. So, you know, with the repetition, people can definitely see that they are very distinct cultures. That's very different, even down to the events that we have, what Bangladeshis have, like a Haldi or a a Miandi. It's different from a Sangeet. Mentioning the culture for my brides when I post them, I think showcases, okay, this is a very distinct culture. This is, you know, not lump some together as, oh, they're a Desi or they're Indian. They're all Indian. A Pakistani bride will wear a very different outfit than an Indian bride will wear. Just kind of labeling that for what it is. It makes it like also an interesting factor for other people to see the distinction between them too. Where would you
2: say that you draw your inspiration? I think I really like like that surprise aspect of like finding something you really love and actually having to work for it and look for it. So my biggest struggle and the best part of my job was going to extremely, extremely packed, unorganized, unorthodox bazaars and markets and literally just pushing through the crowd, going into these crazy markets, looking through thousands of items just finding that one thing that you absolutely love and can see yourself wearing and finding that and getting it and i think that really inspires me to like travel and do all the effort that i do in order to build my collection a big inspiration for me is being able to travel and all of that and including that into my yeah my collection and everything and my business and being Bangladeshi, you kind of get lumped into, obviously, like, oh, the Indian, Indians are the same as you, or Pakistanis, you guys are all the same, you all have the same culture and everything. But when you really actually get to travel to all these places and understand the history and the background, you see how different and how diverse everyone is and everything is and why people dress a certain way in different occasions, like something simple as certain style of Or why do people wear tikka? Or all these things. It's just very, very different and diverse. Like in Bangladeshi, people are interested in certain kinds of sets than someone who is from Pakistan. So yeah, I guess like my background and my passion in, um, i think
4: it's just like a learning thing for you too as an educator yeah. you're constantly like learning and so mm-hmm. through traveling and learning these different cultures and those little those little differences in jewelry make, yeah. make a difference and you showcasing on your instagram always yeah. saying oh i got this from here this is a popular style style in this part of india yeah or here, here
2: and i love learning that like before i would look at something and i'd appreciate it just for its beauty like, this is gorgeous and all of that. and But now I know the significance of this item, where it's from, why it's so important to these people, how it's supposed to be actually worn, what the quality of it is. So kind of all ties in. I would say for me, I draw inspiration from a little bit of
3: both you know, cultural looks but and traditional looks, but also the modern American styles and trends that come and go with beauty. Things have changed since I've been doing this. So it used to be more dramatic, more colorful. Now it's down to more muted looks, more natural look. Yeah, beauty styles are always changing and, you know, new products are coming out and new things. So I guess I would draw inspiration from celebrities like Bollywood stars, but also American, you know, red carpet looks. So a little bit of both.
0: I know Homara, you spoke about your personal skincare journey kind of led to you to your own product.
1: So I guess I draw inspiration from just having like a healthy lifestyle and what that brings, you know, for your skin, your mental health and everything is all in one. And, um, I think it shows on, it shows on your skin, your skin shows so many different things about your lifestyle and what I draw on is just having that a lot of wellness in your life and that's why I go on self-care Sundays and you know, uh, things like that. It's, I think I draw on having that lifestyle where you're just taking care of yourself, where you're like calm, where you're like, you know, not stressed out and I think that shows in my branding and everything like that. It's just, I don't know, I think it's more like a, a wellness thing, it's a way that you want to live your life. It's, the way that I, it's what I draw my inspiration from.
2: I think we also inspire each other. And then at the end of the day, our dads also inspires us and we kind of bounce back ideas with each other. And that actually helps us a lot also.
3: Mm-hmm. What do you hope people learn about you? Probably that we put like our heart and souls into this. Mm-hmm. I there's not a single waking moment that we're not thinking about either our clients or our customers how we can improve the business, how we can make it more efficient for our clients, how we can make sure we're delivering the promises you know that we say you know in the product in our products or services that we're you know providing, it is literally a 24/ 7 hour thing. So just knowing how hard it goes, you know how what hard work goes into this, and knowing that you know we want that to really into our products and services.
1: I think another important thing for people to know about us is that we're really enjoying it and we're having a good time and we love what we're doing and we wouldn't be doing it unless we loved it. And I know we're all like having a great time in our businesses along with working hard. You know, it's also fun. Absolutely. That we have kind of made our businesses part of our lifestyle
2: so that is what kind of it fun for us and not something that we're just doing on the side or anything for all of us our businesses are a huge part of our life
0: and yeah it's it's fun and work how do you balance your work and you know personal time while doing your businesses um, I like to set
1: limits. I don't like it to. I don't like staying up all night and worrying about my business because that makes it not fun. I like, you know, when it's family time, I like just spending time with the family or, you know, with my husband or something. When we're on vacation, I like don't like working. I think it's very important to set boundaries or else it's not fun or else it's always stressful. And that shows up in your organization and the way you run your business as well. I think that's something I'm learning from Hamira. Like there needs to be more
2: boundaries with your timing and um, as much as you want to be amazing at what you do and you want to be accessible to your clients, whenever they need you, you have to set that back. I did have to kind of step back in that because I was like available all the time.
1: Because then you get burnt out and you can't, you can't perform your best if you're always on, you know, you got to go off sometimes. Absolutely. So I've been doing that, especially now that I'm back in Michigan. Like I'll only
2: work when I am on, you know, appointment basis and such so that I do get to have a lot of time at home. Um, I spend a lot of time with my family. I really prioritize home life and things like that. As much as I love my business, I've had to learn to do that.
3: I think I struggle with this a lot just because my business is different from theirs and it's a service space and it's always on the weekend. There's never a bride that's not on the weekend. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday when you know, most people families, we all like to gather around, have dinners or stay up late. Those are the nights I had. that's when my Monday starts. So I have to be in bed early i have to wake up sometimes four o'clock in the morning you know back-to-back rides and i'm not done until probably seven and at the end of the time like friday night or saturday night isn't a night where i you know want to do things it's usually like i have to go to bed right away because i'm exhausted for the next day so that's been a little bit of a challenge for me um i try to split it up where um i can try to be at least a little more available on the weekdays when i can versus weekends but again it's difficult because most families and, you know, everyone wants to, you know, everyone's off on the weekend. So still working through that.
0: What do you learn from
1: each other? Um, I know I learned because they all, um, they both started their business before me, but I learned that, hey, they're really, they're doing something that they both love. And it seems so exciting that I want to partake in something like that too. So I learned like passion and, you know, working your hardest towards something that you love from them. Yeah. I have to
4: agree I kind of learned from all three of them because well, they all started it and um gosh I don't know where it's going to lead but it's kind of cool just knowing that they've done it and I see how much work goes into it and I know how much work if I do want to pursue anything I'll just give it my all and I know I'll always have like a really good support system and I think that really does help a business thrive when you have a good foundation and a support system
3: and I'm yeah I would say I would probably I'd picking up a little of more social media things from Humara, who she's really good at, kind of like you know, talking to her clients, you know, where I'm a little bit more behind the scenes. I'll post a lot of my clients, not really myself as much or talk um directly. So that's something I think is very important. So I kind of want to do that a little bit more. And then from Tahora, just like kind of being broader on like, you know, collaborating a little bit more with you know, other brands and such, just trying to find ways where I would want, would that would work for me in my company, where we would collaborate with someone who's kind of in, well, kind of close to like what we do and how we could both benefit each other. So that's something that um, I
2: can definitely learn from each of them. I learned, I think my first basics of uh, anything business related, I learned, you know, from dad. But after that, it was Jahara, you know, just learning about how to communicate with this community, because she's been doing this for almost 10 years. So watching her kind of grow and um, grow in this community and then expand out. So I learned a lot from that. And then Humara being brand new, I learned that you have to really be with the time and you have to be active on social media more so and connect, connect with your customer base so I learned
0: completely different things from each of them. so and it's it's a process. so I'm always learning what do you want people to know about Detroit Bangladeshi entrepreneurs that we do
2: exist and there are a lot of us that are growing and we're persistent and I hope that we really thrive because I think right now no one really notices us and they just see us as like maybe Indian or Pakistani and hopefully we'll kind of uh, establish that, hey, we're Bangladeshi, we're different and, you know, we're doing well and you know, we can, we have all the services that every other community can provide also. I
3: would say, yeah, like I'm just to kind of take us seriously because we're here and we're here to stay and we're going to do bigger things. I think we did pretty much make a good name for ourselves. But, you know, people may not know we're we're from a small little community, but we can be just as big as someone in New York or L.A. And our names are going to be out there. Our brands are going to be recognized, you know, far mm-hmm. So definitely get to know who these women are behind these big brands that you'll start definitely recognizing elsewhere, too. What's next for each of
2: you? That's a big one. <laughs> That's a hard one for me. Very. For me, I guess I am really working towards establishing a more brick and mortar um, presence, as well as just growing my collection also. But uh, right now, my focus is a little more on the brick and mortar.
1: Yeah, along with that... um. I think um, in the future, I'd love to be um, in more stores, especially in downtown Detroit and Hamtramck. So this is kind of my goal this year. And alhamdulillah, we have reached it. But I just want to continue to expand and expand on products. And inshallah, I'll be getting into my master's in chemistry program next fall. Uh, So then after that, I think it will just open the doors to formulating so many more unique products. And yeah, just kind of expanding the line. Yeah, I definitely want to expand my team a little bit
3: more and be able to do more services because, you know, we are limited still right now. Alhamdulillah, for like, you know, so much interest. And I hate saying no to anybody. So, so somewhere we can, you know, hopefully collaborate more, get our team bigger so we can accommodate more people. We do have a small product line, but definitely would want to expand a little bit more into that product um, sector as well. That would be nice to do that. We have our own location, but, you know, Again, it would be cool to expand as well. If we have more people,
0: that'd be good. So yeah, open to definitely more growth. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you think um, you would want people to know about your businesses? I can start. The most exciting
1: part of mine is um, when people message me and tell me, oh, my God, after using your products, like I don't have to wear makeup anymore or I feel so confident, you know, going out without makeup and stuff. And that's such a great feeling because then that's like inspires me to keep going. And, you know, the whole thing is, you know, being confident in yourself and knowing that my products are doing that for someone. That's like the most exciting thing for me.
3: Yeah, for me, when I see a bride that, you know, kind of looks in the mirror and just sees the best version of herself, when she sees and she's like, this is how I like dreamed of looking on my most one of my most important days of their lives. So just having to execute that's a lot of pressure every time, you know, someone sits in your chair, and you know, the pressures on their most important day and having To like kind of meet that or exceed that, that feels amazing when they tell you that this is what they wanted to look like. This is how they dreamed that they would look like. So that feeling never gets old for me.
2: Yeah. And for me, it's like when they send me pictures or videos and then they'll explain how happy they are with how everything turned out, how it matched perfectly, how, you know, I was able to do the customizations that they really wanted. And if they're happy with the quality, because it's a reflection of the back end work, I to make that kind of come together and work for their special day and being able to hear all of that is a huge thing.
0: Learn more at Sada, S-A-A-D-A org. Stay tuned.